0: And if you'll join me on the back of the bulletin or your Bibles, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but we'll be reading from John 9 and I'll read 1 through 8 and 32 to 38. John 9, 1 through 8. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents? So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Verse 32. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin. And would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Please pray with me. Jesus, we love you this morning, and we thank you for these words. We thank you for the time that we get to have to worship you, uh, to listen, And learn from your word. I pray that as Brian speaks that we would believe the words that you have for us this morning. I pray that we not only believe but that we would have faith to apply them to our lives. And receive your grace and the power. uh, The power of living in your spirit and living in your truth. Uh, Jesus, we pray all these things in your powerful and holy name. Amen. All right.
1: Good morning, everyone. It's great to see uh, so many old faces this morning. And um, we are in a series called Gospel Christianity this morning. And we are um, wrestling with and and thinking through uh, big picture questions of life. And so I'm going to take just a minute and I'm going to recap just a few things um, that we've talked about thus far. And two weeks ago, we talked about Who God is and his nature and his character and and what he's like. And we said that the Bible puts an emphasis on his glory. And God's glory has to do with that his attributes are put on display in a way that changes our lives. So that was from two weeks ago. Last week we talked about the idea of what is wrong with humanity. What is the source of problems in the world? What is the source of problems within our own lives? And we said that sin is not just an action that happens, but it's actually something within us, a power within us that causes problems. We said this, that desires attached to the wrong things will often lead you into secrets. Desires attached to the wrong things will often create secrets in your life. And secrets often lead to shame. And shame has the power to shape your life. Shame has the power to debilitate your life. And so this morning, we want to ask the question is, who is Jesus Christ? And what role does he have in our life? And that has to do with the solution. What is the solution to our problems? And the Bible would point forward to Jesus Christ, that he is the solution to our lives. In order, though, for a solution to be meaningful, we must ask the question, in this way is it true and is it relevant so right now if we try to understand our culture we would say there is more of an emphasis on is it relevant to my life um, there are problems that happen in our lives there are things that cause us to ask questions about the brokenness of the world and We often just look for something that makes us feel like the solution is a part of our lives. And we don't want to ask the question, is it true? You've all probably heard of the placebo effect. And that means this. There are certain things you can do to help with the symptoms. that can make the symptoms of the problems of life go away. There are things we look to in this life like fitness and health and all these different things that we hope and, and, and believe that they might deal with the problems inside of our hearts. But I believe that one of the most important things we can ask is this, is, is that thing true? My view of life, how, is my view of life true? It has to be more than just relevant. It has to be more than, like, this just works for me. We must ask the question, is my view of life true? And I believe that in John chapter nine, when we look at this story of Jesus Christ, we will see two things. We will see that Jesus Christ is true. He is the only and true answer to human beings' problems. He's the only solution to your life. But he is also relevant. He will also make your life beautiful and will give meaning to your life. So when we say this, what is the problem with the world? What is the problem with my own heart? Why, why do I say these mean things? Why do I get so angry? What's going on in my heart? We need truth and we need relevance. And I believe that Jesus Christ offers both of those to us this morning. So John chapter 9 is the story of a man who's born blind. And this story begins in chapter 9 verse 1 and it begins this way. And he, referring to Jesus, passed by and he saw a man blind from birth. And here's a couple of significant things. This man knew nothing about Jesus Christ. And so it's worth it just for for us for a moment. Some of you have been around church for a long time. You've been around Christian schools and Christian families your whole life. And we have a view of Christ that's shaped in our lives. This man is different. This man had no understanding of who Jesus Christ was. And, And to put yourself for just a moment, back in New Testament times, and put yourself in the position of a person who was born blind. There was not the help that there was today. The the man was vulnerable just to exist. His life was vulnerable. In fact, the options he had for life were basically one, and that was to be a beggar for food to survive life. And so what we will see in this story is this man who was born blind There is a path he takes. There's a progression that he takes in his life where he ends up worshiping Jesus Christ. And so I I asked you this question this morning. Will you consider this story and allow this interaction between a man born blind and Jesus Christ to reshape your understanding of who Jesus Christ is? as I teach you from God's word, to allow it to bring meaning to your life and to bring shape to your life. So what we'll see here is we will see four things. We will see four steps of progression, four steps of truth, four steps that lead this man to see the relevance of Christ. So there's a progression of truth that leads to relevance. And so here's the story. I won't read it all. It's a beautiful chapter, and there's all kinds of interesting things. One of the things about preparing a sermon like this is the idea, like, what do I cut out? All right? Because I know that we can't sit here all morning and, and study this, so there's so, much interesting thing, so many interesting things here. What do we want to cut out? And so we're going to reduce the story down to four truths that help us understand who Christ is. So the man is born blind, and the disciples ask this question, who sinned? Was it this guy? Was it his parents? What's going on with this? And Jesus says this, verse 3, It is not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of Christ might be put on display in him. So this this is the context. And to prepare you to understand what's happening here, is that that is a foundational truth of the Bible. That sin does not lead to problems in your life. That is what we would call folk religion. That is what we would call man-made religion. That is what we would call the guilt of the church that happens. And Jesus very clearly says this, that there might be things in your life that come up, and the reason why they come up is to put God's glory on display, to show you how he can work in your life. So that's the context. Skipping down then to verse 11, Jesus says this, verse 10, um, Actually, let's go to verse 8 just to give us a little bit of context. The neighbors and those who had seen him before, this beggar, were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? So Jesus heals him. He makes a little bit of mud um, from the dirt and from his saliva, and the man does what Jesus says, and he is healed. Verse 9 then says there's like this argument going on between, is this really happening? Did this healing really happen? Did this man, is this truly the man that was born blind? Verse 10, so they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus. So number one truth that we need to understand about who Jesus Christ is this, is that Jesus was a man. That Jesus displayed his life as a human being. That while yes, the Bible teaches that he was God, what Jesus is teaching us here in this part of the story is the humanity of Jesus Christ. Why does that matter? Well, it matters in this way because it helps you understand that Jesus knows everything, every emotion that you have felt, everything you've experienced in life, he has experienced. I won't give you the references, but let me just give you a few. Jesus um, marveled at the faith of the centurion. So there was like this joy in his life. He experienced this this emotion, this feeling of joy when he saw the faith of someone else. In Matthew, he says this, that his soul was very sorrowful, even to the point of death. That time in your life when discouragement and despair have a grip on your heart When you're laying in bed alone at night or you wake up early in the morning and you feel like despair has overtaken you. The reason why the humanity of Jesus matters is because he felt that emotion as well. Hebrews chapter 5 said this, that Jesus prayed with loud cries and tears. Have you done that in your life? Loud crying and tears. Jesus experienced that. Jesus has walked through that in the same way that you have. So the humanity of Christ is so important for you to understand that everything you've walked through in life, he has gone through. John chapter 12 says this, that the soul of Jesus was troubled. John chapter 13, Jesus was troubled in spirit. The Greek word there means anxiety, fear. And what's interesting, when you read through the Gospels, there is a more um, common understanding, a more regular expression of Jesus' emotions in the negative sense and that he is experiencing anguish and sorrow and loneliness. But maybe one of the most important things for us to understand is this idea that Jesus experienced rejection. One of the most painful things that can happen in human life is the feeling of being rejected. That's why... When you're in kindergarten and you're playing kickball, and you're the person that nobody wants in your team, that hurts inside. When you're a senior in high school and there hasn't ever been one boy that's asked you out on a date yet, that hurts inside. When you apply for a job and you can't find a job and you just keep getting rejected, 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 that hurts inside. And so the humanity of Christ is so important to you for you to understand in this way that whatever thing you've walked through in your life Jesus has done it with you. That's number 1. Number 2 is this that Jesus was a prophet. Look at verse 17. This is the this healing creates so much tension and fighting between the Pharisees and this man the man's family's brought in. The Pharisees are intimidating the parents. And so what happens then is verse 17, in this, this argument, this discussion between um, the Pharisees and the man, verse 17 says this, So they said again to the blind man, the Pharisees, What do you say about him since he opened your eyes? The man says he is a prophet. So the second truth about Jesus Christ is this, is that Jesus is a prophet. The man's taken to the Pharisees, and that is the the thing that is taken away. That is the message that's taken away. Now, what is a prophet? I'll be very brief on this, and then we'll think about how we can apply it. A prophet in the Old Testament times was a man or a woman who would often call people towards repentance. It was often that person who was kind of gruff and and, and was not afraid to, to say things as they were. But we also see the role of a prophet as the announcement of forgiveness, of good news, of hope. So it was a person, a man or a woman in the Old Testament times, who would speak on behalf of God. So what do we learn about this? What do we think about this as far as Jesus being a prophet? Well, Jesus is the ultimate prophet. Jesus is the ultimate spokesman for God. What does this mean for us? Think Think about how much we enjoy talking for a moment. When we come to church and we gather and we see our friends, we enjoy talking. After church, we enjoy talking. It's just, it's just who we are. Now, I know some of us might say, ah, talking's overrated. And maybe I'm known for saying that, that, uh, that, that talking too much is dangerous. But the honest truth is this. We all love to talk. And so that is, that is who God made us. And so Jesus is the one who is coming as a prophet to speak to us. We like to talk. Think about this for a second. Think about the movies that we watch. We enjoy movies that include little animals that talk, trees that talk, robots that talk, all kinds of odd talking things. It's who we are. We're talking people. We even enjoy singing. We worship and we sing things. And so we enjoy this communication. But one of the things that's so significant about understanding who Jesus Christ is as a prophet is this is that we often have a hard time listening to Jesus as a prophet. That we have a hard time listening to what he has to say. In fact, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? So the point is this, why do you talk a lot about you? You say a lot of things, you've got that part down, the Lord, Lord, you're good at talking the Christian things, the church things, but then Jesus says this, but you do not do the things that I say. So we're good at the talking part, but we're not so good at the listening part. And Jesus is saying this, that I am a prophet. I have come to speak on behalf of God. I know you all as my creation. You enjoy talking. That's who you are. And that is one way that human beings are made in the image of God. God spoke creation into existence, and we are his image bearers. We love to talk. But Jesus is saying this, that I am the true prophet, that I am God in flesh. And the question we have to ask ourselves if we want to understand the true Jesus is will you listen to him? Will you commit time in your life to reading the Gospels, to listening to Jesus Christ? It's interesting and significant for us to know. There are four Gospels there are four Gospels written about the life of Christ. Four different perspectives on Christ. Will you take time to listen? That's number two. Number three is this, that Jesus was the man sent by God. Verse 33, this is continuing this um, discussion um, between the Pharisees and the man that's been healed. And verse 33 says this, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So Jesus is saying this, that he is a man sent by God. And again, this touches with the first point. This means to share in the humanity, that his life was not detached from humanity. Have you thought about this for a second? When Jesus is walking the earth, what are the things that he saw? What are the things that he heard? He heard men swearing and cursing. He saw disease. He saw poverty. He saw people who were vulnerable. What is the mission? Why did God send him to earth? And the answer is this. It's to bring redemption. It's to bring solutions. It's to bring healing. It's to take things that are broken and to heal them and to restore them and to make them beautiful. That is why Jesus said over and over and over again, the kingdom of God is at hand. That there is an alternative way to live your life. That there is a more beautiful way to live your life. And that comes through the man, Jesus Christ, who was sent by God. Number four then is this. That Jesus, the Son of Man, is worthy of worship. Look at verse 35. Verse 35 says this. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. This is so significant. The religious leaders... The pastor type guys of the New Testament times, they cast out the man who had been healed by Christ. They don't want anything to do with him. Jesus says this, that when, they had heard, when he had heard they'd cast him out, he found them. He found the man. He went looking for him. Jesus is a man. Jesus is a prophet. Jesus is the man sent by God. And part of the identity of Christ is that he goes and looks for people who have been cast out. This man is not welcome in the religious circles. He's not part of the in crowd. He's not popular with the popular people. He's cast aside, and that is the person that he goes and looks for. Jesus finds him and says this, Do you believe the Son of Man? Verse 36, He answered, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. Verse 38, he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. And so this progression that happens in this man's life is he begins to understand who Jesus Christ is. He begins to understand the truth of who Jesus Christ is. But the story concludes in worship. It concludes with this man understanding that truth has now become a part of my life. The story begins with a hopeless and helpless man whose life was destined to begging for the rest of his life. But the story concludes with worship. And so the point this morning is for you to contemplate if you are feeling hopeless, if you are feeling helpless this morning, look at the man who understood Jesus, who began to understand these truths and understand how relevance to your life leads to worship. The process of understanding truth leads to worship. Well, what does worship mean here in this story? Worship number one means this, is that you recognize that Jesus is the most superior thing in life. That Jesus is the most ultimate thing in your life. This maybe has never happened to you at work. It happened to me occasionally in my 20s when I was doing construction. And it was the idea that when the boss was gone, work would slow down. The pace would slow down. Occasionally the boss would pull up and, and the guys wouldn't know the boss was there. So they'd be sitting there slouching swinging a hammer every once in a while, right? And then the boss shows up and everyone sits up, straightens up, starts swinging the hammer a little faster, starts getting like standing up straight, getting busy. And what has happened? That someone of value, someone of importance, someone who is superior to you has just shown up. And so worship is this, you understand, the relevance then is this, is you understand in your heart and your life that there's someone more important to you. I think I've mentioned this before, but um, for for many years when I was an 8th grade teacher, I would take my students to Arlington National Cemetery. And occasionally, not every year, but occasionally when we were there, there would be a, a funeral procession going on. And uh, walking around Arlington National Cemetery isn't always the most enjoyable thing for eighth graders because we 'd walk up hills and it'd be hot sometimes and sometimes body language would start drooping and things like this like Mr. Kelly we going to go let's go to the next thing we get on the bus like the bus was good because air conditioning but occasionally occasionally we would see a funeral procession and i maybe three or four times over the years, but I, I remember one year distinctly that there was a a horse going by, so I believe it was most likely an officer, a horse going by, the riderless horse, this beautiful large black horse with the boots put in backwards and music being played and, and soldiers marching at attention. And you know what, you know what happened to the, to the body language of my students? It, it was no longer like the boys jabbing each other, that kind of thing. They, they, they stood up straight. They they saw something as more valuable than themselves. They saw something like this. this This is real. This is meaningful. This man or woman, and we don't know who it was, gave their life for our country. And these soldiers are paying homage to that. They are giving honor. And so worship is this, is understanding. It's when truth, it's when your understanding of truth becomes relevant to your life. And it changes your life. It changes your posture in life. That there's something more important to you happening here. That's, That's number one. So worship is this idea you recognize in your life that Jesus is true and he's ultimate and superior. Number two, though, is this. Is that Jesus, you see Jesus as worthy of your full attention. We've been having lots of babies in our churches uh, in the church here the stokers and the renters and there's grandparents and there's new parents and one of the things that that we do I easily recall this when the boys were born is that parents and grandparents they adore their new baby and you can stare at that baby and you can make funny faces at that baby and enjoy the sounds and we adore and you give Well, the word is adore, Um, adoration. That's the same word. And you're not giving, you're not adoring because the baby is superior. You're adoring because you see the baby as beautiful. That you, that your heart is captured by this child. So worship is the combination of these two things. That Jesus Christ is the most ultimate thing in your life. that He's the most superior thing in your life. But it's not just that. It's that you adore him, that you see Jesus Christ as the most relevant and meaningful and beautiful thing in your life. The progression here of understanding what life is about is significant. The word here for worship is proskuneo, and it means, as, as is said here in the story, that the man literally fell at his feet. That's what the word means. That his posture changed it's a reflexive action that happens that you almost can't stop the man's life was changed because truth touched his heart and one of the things that's so important for you to understand is this is that when worship is a part of your life you become more fully human you become an image bearer of Christ we can so easily get stuck on what is wrong with the world? What is, what is wrong with the brokenness of the world? And the more you worship, the more you see Christ as true and relevant and beautiful, the more fully human you become. The more beautiful your life becomes. The more meaningful your life becomes. Worship about, is about giving God glory, that Christ alone is worthy of worship. In this brief time this morning that we've had, my hope is this, is that you would see this story of the man who was born blind. You would see the truth of who Jesus Christ is. That he was a man that walked this earth, that experienced every feeling, every emotion, every hurt, every pain, every feeling of loneliness, every joy. He experienced that. Why? To identify with you. We talk a lot about the idea of finding your identity in Christ. That's really important. But what's equally important is this, is knowing this, that Jesus Christ found his identity in humanity, that he walked the earth as a human. But he also speaks truth. He speaks God's truth to you. He was sent by God, and those truths, hopefully, as they touch our heart, lead us to worship. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. Pray that we would see you for who you truly are. That you are fully human and fully the Son of God. Father, I pray that truth would touch our hearts. That we would leave here as people who understand that you're speaking to us. You're speaking truth into our lives. I pray that that would become relevant, that our hearts would worship, that the posture of our bodies would be one of worship, that the posture of our hearts would be worship, that we would adore you, we would view you as the ultimate of our lives. We ask these things in your name. Amen.